Welcome to the College Sports Insider, presented by the NCAA and Champion Magazine. I'm Jack Ford. So if you're a sports fan, you have probably been paying attention to all the talk about international expansion, the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball. We've already seen it with soccer. But the question then becomes, might the NCAA be not too far behind? Well, we're going to talk about that today, and we're delighted to have with us Dr. Les Wong, who is the president of San Francisco State University. Uh, Les, nice to have you here with us. Oh, it's an honor and a privilege. Thank uh, you. Thank you. So um, let me start off because I think it's important to give a sense of perspective. I always like to have our folks who are listening know who they're listening to. So tell me about um, how you came to San Francisco State University, and tell us a, a little bit about your institution. Okay. Um, I was a president at Northern Michigan University up on the Canadian border in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan uh, for eight years. Uh, I was born and raised in the San Francisco, Oakland Bay Area, and so the opportunity to come home, so to speak, uh, to a really premier school was something I couldn't turn down. Yeah. And currently, San Francisco State's 30,000 students, mm -hmm. urban school, very diverse, probably one of the most diverse on the West Coast. Now, how did you get involved in, in the, a leadership capacity with the NCAA? Um, I've been always of the opinion that athletics are the front door to the university, that students who traditionally don't go to college are going to be curious about a university if the sports program is not only entertaining but available. Um, you know, sports has always had that kind of attractiveness uh, to it. And, mm -hmm. You know, that door opens up and suddenly there's biology, poetry, and everything else. Mm. And in your institution, uh, Division Two, Division II. Um, and describe the athletic program, the, the, what your, your, your size, your involvement. Well, we have uh, 12 to 13 competitive sports, uh, pretty traditional portfolio, men and women's basketball, men and women's baseball. Um, the, the one unique piece is that we're one of the few Division II programs with wrestling, mm -hmm. uh, and we have to actually uh, compete in the, uh, Mount, um, the RMAC mm -hmm. um, uh, to find competition. But um, a national championship a few decades ago, so really steep wrestling tradition. So let, let's talk about what I, I, how I introduced mm -hmm. this conversation and the idea of, of international expansion. And curiously, although we hear about it all the time in the professional sports, you very rarely hear anybody talking about the notion of, of the NCAA, of, our, of our, our college sports system here in the U.S., about it expanding. Uh, and yet there has been some bit, I don't know if expansion is the right word, but there's certainly been conversation about it. Uh, give us a sense of what that conversation has been and how it's evolved, and then you and I can talk about some specifics. You know, there really has been um, energy behind the academic appeal of a world that's getting smaller, a curriculum that's becoming much more international and interdenominational and uh, just different, the diversification internationally of faculty. Uh, is is it really has a lot of energy to it. So we, we try to communicate to students that with their education today, they're going to be a citizen of the world. And it could be that their first job is in Hong Kong or 
Switzerland or something like that. And they're probably going to have professors that were trained outside the U.S., speak multiple languages. Um, and so the world, as you say, is now already on the campus. And I think one of the most last but most powerful piece is athletic competition, sports, uh, as an engagement of campus life. So, and we already see that. Uh, my men and women's soccer team, um, I would bet half the roster of the soccer team, their family origins, first generation, are probably not in the U.S. They're from Central South America. Um, the goalie for our women's soccer team, we recruited out of Sweden. Uh, and so the, even at Division II, we're starting to see more international students populate the teams. Um, you know, the, I, I walk into the locker room, and again, I'll use men's soccer uh, as an example just to say, hi, I wish him luck. I hear Spanish, I hear Dutch, I hear German, and I'm going, oh, that's different. <laughs> but certainly, as you said, you know, we talk about the globalization, and, and you know, academic institutions have been reaching out significantly uh, to, to, to embrace that globalization and bring in um, foreign students to send their students to foreign shores, to, not just for the academic part, but for the experiential part mm -hmm. of, of learning. So what has the conversation been then within the walls, if you would, of, of the NCAA you know, in terms of, of the idea of, of expanding internationally? Well, the uh, experiment which just ended uh, that allowed Simon Fraser from mm -hmm. British Columbia to uh, become a member uh, in the NCAA has been very, very successful. Uh, they hosted a championship event, uh, which they had to hold on the U.S. side of the border. But every uh, bit of data and information is that it's been hugely successful. Simon Fraser is academically accredited in the United States. Uh, there is a school in Mexico, for example, one of the only few schools at universities accredited by a U.S. Mm -hmm. accrediting agency. Um, we suspect there will be more. And there's, a, there's really a difference when an international student comes individually to your campus. We welcome them. They're engaged. But there's not a sense of awareness of the power of a team that's representing a different country or a different university where English is the third language, second language. Uh, in some cases, like in Hong Kong, it's the first language of the university. But as you were mentioning, NBA, basketball players from around the world. We certainly, Major League Baseball has a dramatic international participation. So we're now talking within the NCAA of saying, let's just take the individual to individual presence and move it to a team to team presence. But it's also one of equity and fairness that two teams now approach each other as equals mm -hmm. from across the border. And the whole notion of sportsmanship, I just think adds a, a wonderful dimension. And, and those, I think, as you articulated just now, are, are the, the, the thoughts that would support the notion of, of expanding. 
and, and yet there must be some reservations, and, and I don't mean to suggest that in, in, in any way that these reservations um, are, are not truly held and, and intellectually inspired. And, um, but there, if you look at it, there have to be some concerns as to the, this notion. What are the concerns that are being articulated? What a great question. You know, clearly the movement, particularly of teams across the southern border, is an issue. You know, right now, if you're going from San Diego into Tijuana and South, you're in line for a long mm. time. Although I humorously say that's probably about the same time getting across the Bay Bridge in uh, San <laughs> yeah, Francisco. You and I were talking before about commuting <laughs> me in New York City and you in San Francisco. So, yes, that probably is yeah. the same time. Um, and I, I always think, in fact, when we talk to uh, a potential Mexican partner, their parents are afraid of sending their children north. Isn't that interesting? Uh, they see the stories of uh. Chicago and just student protests, et cetera. Um, but there clearly are border crossing issues. Um, the, we're, the U.S. is also way out ahead in terms of Title IX, equitable, equitable treatment of women's sports. Um, what I like about the NCAA stepping in is the concussion and health protocols. Mm -hmm. And so that whole structural quality to support the student-athlete, that's you know, that's going to be an issue for international partners to meet our standard. So let's look at the experiences in, in this sort of pilot program with Simon Fraser. Um, and you mentioned some of the, the participation they had hosting an event, although you said on this side of, of the border. But what have the obstacles been? What sort of logistical problems do you think that, that, that are being seen in terms of this idea of, of bringing in schools from outside the territorial boundaries? Well, there's no question that the U.S. has a different set of perspectives and issues relative to the northern border and the southern border. And uh, it's just more difficult to get across. Um, and that, that really is presenting um, a, a secondary issue of who's eligible, who's not, um, what guarantees are that the students who come across with a team don't sneak off, for mm -hmm. example, and how to, mm -hmm. how to make sure they return home. Um, in a not unreal way, um, there was that young team from uh, the Middle East that was wanted to participate in a computer contest. Mm -hmm. And um, they couldn't get in. President Trump helped them get in. And then all of a sudden they disappear <laughs> seeking asylum. Mm -hmm. So there really is a, a very significant question about um, uh, the integrity of the roster and making sure that that roster not only comes across but also goes home as well. What would the, the response be to someone who would say, look, I, I don't mean for this to sound jingoistic, but you know, we're a nation and, and there's nothing wrong with a nation celebrating its own sports within its boundaries. We send teams to international competition, that's and that's a wonderful experience. We, we let our teams you know, travel periodically to, to go play in, in other nations. But, but what would the response be to that same person who says, I kind of like the idea of just staying within our, our boundaries? You know, I don't think I can offer a criticism of that. You know, right now there's a lot of – 
conference shifting, some getting bigger, some getting smaller. A lot of D1 teams now thinking of moving to Division Two. Certainly a lot of teams in Division Two entertaining the notion of going to one. So there already is a lot of movement uh, interconference-wise within the, the NCAA. So I can understand that. One of the challenges, in fact, we just got done talking about it in our, our meeting this afternoon, is that there are some parts of the country where there isn't competition or enough teams to, in a particular sport to make it viable. For example, football, American football is one of those. Mm -hmm. And so the, California, where I'm from, has no Division II football. Um, the Mexican school who wants to be in the NCAA, American accredited, they play American football. The PAC Northwest wants them in their conference because they need a team that fields football to even out the schedule. So there's some conference needs that, that sort of interrelate with this international uh, initiative. Um, in fact, they play very good American football. I also warn folks that they play really good American volleyball. Women's Volleyball Championship Mexico. So they're, they're not going to come in as a weak competitor. Right. So, so people don't think you're bringing them in and you get an automatic win in your column. Mm -hmm. All right. Last question for you. It, it, looking down the road, and obviously it's, it's difficult to, to prognosticate with any degree of certainty here, but looking down the road, the next 10 years, the next 20 years, what, what do you think the landscape will look like in terms of the NCAA and the possibility of, of member schools from outside our borders? I am confident that we will see many more Canadian and Mexican schools in the NCAA wheelhouse. I just I think it's inevitable. The differences between our educational institutions academically are so minor now that a computer science curriculum in Mexico or in Canada is going to look just like a computer science curriculum in San Francisco. So athletic-wise, it just complements that similarity with the academic mission uh, so nicely so that there's not that outlier doing sports mm -hmm. and nothing else. Right. But uh, I just think it's going to happen. The, the, the issue is could be around a discussion of standards. Um, mm -hmm. If you're going to be in the NCAA, academic infrastructure, tutoring, advising, it's right. got to match up right. with U.S. schools. But right. countries like Mexico are going, we're doing that anyway. Yeah. Tell us what we have to do. We'll do it if yep. we can be part of this. Exactly. Well, it, it, it'll, it'll be fascinating to see how it evolves over the next decade. If or I could so. just take sure. 10 seconds. Yeah. I'd look at it as a student athlete issue as well to have a passport, to leave the country, to represent our country at an event. And it's a Division II event. You know, you don't have to struggle to be on the Olympic team right. or to get drafted in the pros. Right. Yeah. You're yeah. going to get an opportunity. You're going to get an opportunity. And as you, you know, as president of the institution, you know, we are in the, the, the business of providing opportunities for young people as, as they grow in, in, in as many ways as we possibly can. So, well, it, it will be an interesting evolution. Again, our, our guest has been Dr. Les Wong, the president of San Francisco State University. Les, thanks for spending some time. I know you got a busy day today, yeah. but thanks for sharing this conversation. We appreciate it. Thank you. You be well. Thank you. Does it for us then for today for the College Sports Insider. I'm Jack Ford. We'll look forward to seeing you again real soon. <laughs>